Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Give it up for the Lord. Woo! Let's go. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Grant. And can you guys give it up for Kayla on the keys, holding it down? Come on. Keeping the song of the Lord coming in hot. Oh, man. Are you grateful to be found in the house of God this morning? Oh, I, was, I thought I was in church. I thought I was in takeover church. Are you grateful to be found in the house of God this morning? Yeah. 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 Come on, somebody. I know it's summertime, and I know we're in West Michigan, but I refuse. Somebody say, I refuse. I refuse to submit to the culture of the lake, to camping, to being away, to all of these things. I affirm vacations. I think they're great. Please take one. Don't take the summer off. The Lord deserves your presence because we need his. Amen? amen? No, I said amen? amen? Come on. I know the Lord's been moving in this room. I can feel him. Do you feel the Holy Spirit at work in this room? Man, I am so grateful that he is here. I am so grateful that he is alive. He is sharper than every double-edged sword. Amen. That his word is alive. It is active, able to pierce between bone and marrow, spirit and truth. And he is moving in this room and he is moving on you. Amen. And if you don't believe me this morning, if maybe you're skeptical this morning, if maybe you're in this room and you're like, it's my first time at this church, this is the first time in a place that really values the presence of God, this is the first time in a church, period, but something is happening on the inside of you, I want to encourage you. It's not emotionalism, although we should be emotional when the king of the universe comes in the room. When the, la the lamb that was slain walks into our midst, when the Holy Spirit begins to tug on our heartstrings, amen, we should be emotional. That is a good and proper response. However, I will tell you this. If you are feeling like something is working on the inside of you that is outside of you, but is somehow on the inside of you, that is God. And my encouragement for you is not to deconstruct your way out of that thought, to disparage that thought, to discard that thought, but instead sit there as I preach the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to continue to work on the inside of you. Amen? Come on, somebody. Praise him one more time for me. Praise him one more time for me. It's the house of God where saints come. We gather before his throne and we preach his word and we receive. Amen? So good. Well, wow. What a time. So grateful to have our friends from every heart here and so grateful to have you here, that you prioritize being found in the house of God. And man, we are continuing the season. We are continuing to steward the prophetic word over our church for 2023. And that is to be a bride on fire, a body on fire, a people on fire. Jesus said in Luke 12, 49, that I have come to cast fire upon the earth, to make a burning bride in a burning region a remnant that is worthy of his return for. Amen. And we may be small, but we are on fire. We may be small, but we are fierce. We may be small, but we have no fear. Right. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I just felt like the Lord said, hell needs to fear take over church. Not because takeover church is great, but because I am with takeover church. We exist not to see Matt McClure build a great ministry for himself. We exist to see Jesus take over our region. Amen. Lord, strike me dead right now if this ever becomes about me and not about you. Yes. I'm sick and tired of the play play in the church today. Amen? Amen? And can we just give it up? Can we honor Pastor Adrian for a great word last week? Unauthorized fire. Wow. So good. So I just want to correct one thing. Not in Adrian's message. That was great. Uh, 
It is week 20, okay? Go on the podcast and look at it. I can count. I can't do a great number of things. I have one talent. It's called the Word of God, and I can count kind of. And I know because I looked at it, okay? Easter and, and uh, Good Friday did not count. They were a side weave around, all right? It's week 20. But if you're taking notes, because we are note-taking church, get your notepads out, bust that bad Jackson out, and get ready to abuse it if you can keep up with me. But the title of my message this morning for week 20 of Fire Upon the Earth, are you ready? Yeah. A song of fire. A song of fire. A song of fire. A song of fire. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Revelation 5, because we're going to get after it this morning. It'll be up on the Sky Bible. If you guys can give it up, who I got back there? I think I got Phil and Kenny holding it down. I got our girl Jen in the booth. Jen is holding it down. She is doing like spontaneous worship lyrics up there, just like crushing it. It's amazing. Uh, everyone in this church is more talented than me, and it's amazing. And I'm very grateful for your heart for ministry. All right, Revelation 5, 1 through 14. If you're there, say I'm there. If you, if you need another minute, say I quit. Good on you. All right, Revelation 5, 1. Here we go. Then I saw a, in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy? Somebody say who. Somebody say who. Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders, they said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Somebody say, he has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures, among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. It was seven horns with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Somebody say a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, from every language, from every people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Somebody say they shall reign. Then I looked and I heard around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads, myriads and myriads of thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and under the heaven and in the seas, and all of them are saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing, be honor, be glory, and be might forever and ever. Ever. And the four living creatures, they said, amen. And the elder, elders fell down and they worshiped. Somebody say, amen. amen. All right, I'm going to pray and we're going to bust that open. Sound good? Let's go. Father God. Oh, Father, we know, we know, we know you have such a plan for today. Father God, right now, I pray, I pray, Lord, that we would steward well the people who prioritize being found in your presence today, God. God. 
I repent for the times where we look around as church leaders, God, and we see who's not here and we create a greater value system for those who are not in our space as opposed to those that are in our space. Lord, let us value the people you've brought to the house today. Father, I ask right now, I ask for a corrective lens to be placed upon this bride, Lord, a corrective lens that we could see you rightly, God. We wanna see you rightly, God, so we can respond to you correctly, so we can worship you perfectly. Holy Spirit, I pray right now now. I pray right now you would begin a work in this bride here today that would begin to be the fulfillment of the cause of Christ to come and set fire upon the earth, Lord. Help us steward this word, God, not just as a community, but as individuals, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, that eyes that are shut would be open, that ears that have been closed would be open, God, both physically in healing, God, but spiritually, God, so that we can see and worship and respond to you rightly, correctly, and perfectly. Holy Spirit, come, have your way in this place. Every other spirit, demon, principality, demonic functioning being in this room, see your way back to hell from which you came because this house and these people are the Lord's. I said this house and these people are the Lord's and a faith-filled church wants to give Jesus all of the glory said. Amen. Amen. Come on. Man, I, I swear the devil picked a fight this week that he does not want. He picked a fight this week that he does not want. And I'm going to be honest, it's been the whole month of May. He has picked a fight with this house that he does not want. And I don't simply just mean the leadership team. I mean individuals who make up the bride here, who make up the body here, the takeover church people, amen? He has picked a fight. He's come for our home. He's come for our finances. He's come for our money. He has sent people and influencers to disparage some of us. He has sent people to come and, and attempt us into lustful activities and given into sexual sin. He has come after this home. And I came today to say, hell, fear us. We will bring you down we will bring you down but it's not unto our own end it's not unto our own ambitions it's not to our own achievements it's in fact it's not to any of our glory at all do I long to leave a legacy that says takeover church was in West Michigan and this region was left better and in the hands of Christ by the time we're done absolutely however if history chooses to forget us because our words and our worship and our lifestyles of pursuing Jesus relentlessly lives on in others outside of the takeover church name, then so be it, God, have your way. Whatever changes the Midwest we want, whatever brings revival we are for, whatever brings resuscitation to a church that is weaning on life support, God, we pray you would do it, amen? Pastor Matt, this is heavy. We're in church, I don't... I don't know what else we come here for. I don't know why else we'd gather if we don't want the word of God, you know? I don't know what else we come to the house of God if we're not interested in the bread of life and the new wine that he provides. If we don't want to take and partake from the Lord's Supper, why do we come to church? Gone are the days where this is just cultural normative activity for Midwesterners who haven't been enlightened by Hollywood and the powers that be. Gone are those days. Church is only going to be for those who actually want to be churched, who want to be found in the presence of God, who decided that they have lived enough of their life according to their own desires that you know what? Jesus has a better way. 
That is what we are for. That is what the bride will be. We will give our lives to see this region and this nation set ablaze for the glory of God. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. Oh, song of fire. Song of fire, song of fire. Man, so a few number of weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me and he was like, hey. And I was like, what's up? And he was like, that's how you're gonna approach me? And I was like, my bad. And uh, he was like, you wanna see a bride on fire? And I said, more than anything, Lord. First thing he said was get good at dying. And I was like, absolutely. Second thing he said was preach the last lessons of Jesus. Preach the last lessons of Jesus. So really, I think probably for like the last 15 weeks, we have been, we have been preaching the last messages and last lessons of Jesus relentlessly from John 14 on through the book of Revelations. And I said it before and I'll say it again. We're not gonna necessarily hit every uh, chapter in the book of Revelations simply because some of it is, uh, is, is best for a small group and breaking apart uh, together where we can ask questions and pick it apart because there is a lot happening there but we are absolutely going to steward what the Lord is doing in the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation is potentially the single most powerful book in the entire Bible for the Christian to begin to understand, but not just understand, you've got to begin to love it. You've got to begin to love it. You see, the book of Revelation, I was so excited about this call because when I got saved at 16, the first book I ever read was Revelation, which was probably not a great idea. It made me insane and I'm still insane. Welcome. Um, but it gave me a passion and I began to realize because I'm a church history nut and I began to realize that the early church, they absolutely loved the book of Revelation, but the modern church, we absolutely despise the book of Revelation. You see, today we, we, we avoid it at all costs because there's so much, it's so deep, it's so rich, there's so much happening that we don't understand that so much is just what John was getting while he was on the island of Padmos and, and we're just seeing this revelation played out before John's eyes of Jesus and, and we just decide we don't understand it so we're gonna kind of tuck it away, keep it at the end of the book, not really go there. Like a lot of churches, we'd rather go hang out in Leviticus in the book of Revelation. And I'm like, both are great. We should spend equal time there. It's good. But you see, we see the book of Revelation as scary, but I came to tell you today, the book of Revelation isn't scary. It's revelatory. It's revelatory. You see, unfortunately, we have treated the book of Revelations as if it's simply the book of the end times, but it's not the book of the end times. The book of Revelation is literally the revelation of the return of the king of time. Not just the end times, but the return of the king of end times. It is not scary, it is glory, amen? Can I preach to anybody this morning? Do I have an alive Christian in the home? Yes. Have we just gotten too drunk in the spirit this morning to respond accordingly? Come on, come on. I love it. But this morning, as we dive into the book of Revelation, we have got to get the revelation that Jesus gave of himself to John. You see, so many of us, We've been living below the poverty line of Christianity because quite frankly, we don't have and we don't share and we don't partake in the same revelation of Jesus that Jesus holds of himself. And because we don't partake in the same revelation of Jesus that Jesus has of himself, we forfeit the power that comes along, the freedom that comes along, the liberation that comes along, the truth that sets us free that comes along with sharing in, partaking in the same revelation of Jesus that Jesus has of himself. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You see, for the early church, the book of Revelation just wasn't confusing. It wasn't just this book that simply informed their life, but instead for the early church, the book of Revelation formed 
their lives. You see, for the early church, they didn't simply celebrate and, and lean into and go into and dive into the book of Revelation so often simply because they thought they needed to live in the book of Revelation because the end is near. They didn't live informed and formed and transformed by the book of Revelation because the end was in sight. Instead, the book of Revelation didn't simply inform their lives, it transformed their lives, it formed their lives. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. And upon forming their lives, they didn't simply live with the end in sight, but they lived to be pleasing in his sight. They lived to be pleasing in the sight of God. Should the end be near or should the end be not? They desired to live pleasing in his sight because the book of Revelation holds the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. And so more than just the gospels, more than the entirety word of God, the book of Revelation offers us in the author of heaven and earth, his own POV of himself. And we think it's scary and we think it's nonsense and we think it's confusing. But I am telling you, friends, the mysteries of God are your inheritance. The mysteries of God are your inheritance. But so many of us will forfeit our birthright to the depths of God for convenience. Instead of long hours in prayer, we, 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 we go to the hamster bottle of water to be spoon fed some cotton candy, ear tickling Christianity that is available in plenty today. But I'm telling you, old or young, God has a plan for the rest of your life. And it is up to you deciding whether you are gonna spend it in the bird bath toe deep end of the pool where you barely know Jesus, where you barely know the word, where you're barely equipped for the life ahead of you, or you're gonna go out to the deep end and trust God that he is gonna make himself known to you as you make yourself known to him. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? It is not enough anymore to simply be informed by God. We have to be formed by God. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You see, we, for far too long, we have gotten full and we have gotten fat on information. And while we got full and fat on information, we have starved the spirit of revelation. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You see, as we got full and fat on information and while we starved the spirit of revelation, what ended up happening to the bride of Christ? What ended up happening to the body of Christ? What ended up happening the last hundred years of this country? What happened? The same thing that happens to everybody when it enters starvation mode, it begins to eat itself. And we wonder why the bride of Christ suffers from anorexia. We wonder why the bride of Christ suffers from cannibalism as we turn and devour one another instead of uniting around the revelation of Jesus Christ. On, I appreciate anybody this morning. Yes. The church is in starvation mode and she is just hoping to survive. Instead, we have got to get out of the realm of simply just good information and we need again get an appetite for the depths of God, for the spirit of revelation. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? The spirit of the revelation of God is needed. It's needed. Friends, we're never going to see 
I'm not looking for a country to turn around. I'm not looking for a political agenda to be passed. I would love to see America thrive and come alive. I would love to see specific political agendas be instituted. But more than that, I long to see the kingdom of heaven invade this earth. And we have to thrive. We have to, feel, we have to go and thirst and hunger after this with everything we've gotten. Friends, it's no longer enough. We have platformed too many people with too many thoughts saying, tell us more, spin a good yarn, give us the tweetables, pastor. Too many with too many good thoughts have been platformed in our day and too few have we sought that have actually been with God and we've asked them to impart onto us what got on them while they were with him. See that fist bump in the back, let's go. Gone are the days, friends. Gone are the days. I am asking you to no longer thrive on information alone. I love theology. I am a theology nut. I love it. I want all the proper thoughts on God. I want to share with you the good thoughts on God, the right thoughts on God, the perfect thoughts on God, the correct thoughts on God. I want to share that with you absolutely. But I don't want you simply remaining spiritual infants, nursing off the church fathers and mothers of this house and go absolutely starved and anorexic of the spirit of revelation in your life. I can't live Jesus for you. You have to live Jesus for yourself. Friends, the hour is late, the hour is dark, but I am telling you, we have got to begin to live going after the spirit of revelation, not because the end is in sight, which I certainly believe it absolutely is, not because the end is in sight, but because we too, along with our forefathers and mothers before us, long to be pleasing in his sight. How long to live a life pleasing in his sight? Man, I want to see this generation in our region. I don't just mean the next generation, like the generation coming up. I mean the people who are existing today. I want to see us as a people raised up in the things of God where history records, where atheists record, where government powers and principalities in high places, where they will look and they will say, man, there was a people. There was a people from Grand Rapids. There was a people in this region that was a problem for our plans. And they loved God and they were with God and they have been with God and they have gone to be with God. Friends, I believe you and I, we are called to join in with the song of fire that heaven has been singing to Jesus for the entirety of time and will continue to sing to Jesus for the entirety of time, for far too long. We have instituted our own good ideas and our own good thoughts and our own well-meaning intentions 
And while doing all of these things, we have forfeited the power and the presence of God within us and among us and through us. For so many of us, we have lived a life with Jesus and around Jesus, but we have abstained from getting deep into Jesus. You wanna know how I know? We sing our own song instead of his. We regurgitate our own thoughts instead of his. We live by our own ways instead of his. And the fruit of our lives taste bitter because of it. I think right now we see a world that has fallen helplessly into the spirit of the age, the spirit of confusion, the spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of sexuality as king, and we've seen it. And then there's the bride who thinks that she can just be a conscientious non-objector and she can sit on the bench and never get in the game. And I'm telling you, friends, get ready because the game has come to the bench. The plays have spilled out of the field. The fight has broke out of the ring. The fighters have gotten out of the octagon. Use whatever analogy you'd like to. It's come to our front door. And I'm telling you, we want to be a people who gives God a good offering. Let us not fall into the traps that those before us have fallen into. Let us not be simply seeker-friendly as much as we are seekers. Seeker-friendly Christianity, it died in COVID. It caught COVID and it got shook up. And that which can be shaken was shaken and that which cannot be shaken has remained. The wheat has been separated from the chaff. The thing that you and I have to zero in on is who are we going to be? Who are you going to be? Because I'll tell you this, Takeover Church is committed to being the song of fire in the earth again. We're committed to joining in with heaven's song and heaven's revelation of Jesus again. We are committed to being a people burning after Jesus because we have a burning bridegroom. How else can we respond but being a burning bride? But who we will be will be determined by who you and I decide we will be. Who take over church as a company, and I don't mean corporation, I mean in the literal English word, a company, a band, a, a, a straggly band of misfits. Who you and I will be as Green Beret battalions in our region. Who we will be will be determined by who we as individuals decide we will be. Whose song will you sing? Yours or his? Cultures or his? Now is the time, friends. We have got to decide whose we will be, what song we will play. You see, I love John. I said it before as we go into this, bless you, that we were going into the book of Revelation and we have to begin to understand that we have to see the book of Revelation through the lens of John the Beloved. Because John the Beloved, he lived a life in such a way that he was able to be trusted. 
He was able to be trusted. Every single one of us, we have been given a deposit from heaven that God sees us fit to be trusted with. Some of us, we squander our deposits. Some of us, we guard our deposits. Some of us, we multiply our deposits. And John, John never squandered. John guarded and he multiplied and John lived a life worthy to hold the revelation that Jesus holds of himself. And then we get into Revelation 5. And all of a sudden, John, he's coming out of the third heavens. He's up there and he's looking around. This is the moment that the POV changes. The point of view has changed up until Revelation 4. All the revelation has been from heaven unto earth. And at this moment, it goes from heaven into heaven, from throne room into the throne room. Suddenly, the POV changes. And John isn't just being spoken to, but he's been welcomed into. And he is now viewing heaven as Jesus views it. He is now viewing the throne room as Jesus sees it. He is now welcomed in to the beauty realm of God. Does anybody want to go to the beauty realm of God? Then please answer the call of God in your life not to wait until you die to see it. Because John is a man that was able to see it before he was welcomed in. I appreciate anybody this morning. Please answer the call of God in your life. Gone are the days of superhuman Christians that are few and far in between. I believe this is a generation that God is saying, you want to see faith giants? I'm going to raise an entire generation of them. And they're going to see the throne room. And they're going to live for the beauty realm. And they're going to fall in love in an empty room with God. It's who we're called to be. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was completely unsolicited. It was by Corey Russell. And he said, fall in love with an empty room. Fall in love with an empty room. And John, John fell in love with banishment to a prison island called Patmos. Where he was called and commissioned and sentenced to serve out the rest of his life because God made a way where hmm, Domitian, the Caesar at the time, couldn't even kill him, couldn't boil him in oil in front of 80,000 people. That's who our God is. And that's the revelation available to us. So John, he's up there. And all of a sudden the POV changes and he gets his throne room insight into the throne room. And it's amazing. And he says, I look and I saw, and I saw a scroll And the scroll, the scroll was it. The scroll had the keys to everything. The scroll was the key to everything. But the scroll was sealed. And it wasn't just sealed. It was sealed with seven seals. And what happens in this moment is John is getting this download from heaven. He is looking. He sees the scrolls. And he sees a mighty angel. And the mighty angel goes, who is worthy to open the scrolls and break its seals and release what is on the inside of it. Who is worthy? And we've got to pause right there because what's interesting is the words that John chooses to use. You see, John, he's in the third heavens and he sees an angel, but it's not just an angel. It's an angel that he says is mighty. There's a mighty angel. I don't know what it was about the angel that made John describe him as mighty, but I know there's other descriptors that he could have used if in fact this angel wasn't mighty, if he wasn't breathtaking, if he wasn't just 
full of power, full of strength, full of size, full of authority, if he wasn't simply just an almighty angel in the heavens, a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. And what's interesting is that even that mighty, potentially even the mightiest angel in heaven wasn't able to open the scroll. Well, Pastor Matt, what does this have to do with anything? Let me tell you. This has everything to do with everything because that means we'll get to Jesus in just a second more in depth. But if there's only one found worthy who has conquered and who can open the scroll and break its seals, that is the key to everything. That means every angel, no matter how mighty or how fallen, how demonic, how evil, let us not forget Satan, the enemy of our soul, his fellowship, his demons, his offspring, they all come from that one third fallen angels that we read about in the book of Genesis. And so that means if there's one found worthy and able because he has conquered to restore and redeem and perfect everything, that means you're safe in the one who is seated on the throne. Doesn't matter how mighty the demonic may be. Doesn't matter how big and how scary they might appear. It doesn't matter how loud they may get. It doesn't matter the lies they spin, the fear they incite on the inside of you, the sin that they bring you to be tempted with. It doesn't matter if they recite to you your entire past because they are a spirit of accusation. It doesn't matter what they peddle to you. You're safe with the one who is worthy to break the seals, the conquering one. That should instill confidence in you. If it doesn't, you need to get a deeper revelation of what this means. Because it's interesting to me that the seals, there's seven of them. You see, when God created the heavens and the earth and on the seventh day, he chose to rest in his earth, rest in his creation. That means earth in its entirety, eat and all of this. It was intended to be a place where God would rest amongst that which is his, those that he loves, those that he made in his image and likeness. This was a place where God wanted to rest. And so he did on the seventh day. And what did his creation do? What did that image bearers do? We rebelled, we fell into sin. We relented to the temptations of the enemy. We believed another voice over the one who gave us a voice. I preached to anybody this morning. And ever since then, the entire world has fallen into hell, sin, death, and collapse and disparity and depravity. And so Jesus' chief concern was what? To seek and save the lost. Even John 3, 16 records what? God so loved the... God so loved the... God so loved the... Why did he love the world? Because it was intended to be his dwelling place. And so on seven days, he rested. And now there's seven seals that must be broken so that he can rest in the world again. Do you see how this plays out? 
Do you see why this matters? Do you see why there are seven seals? Do you see why the seven seals must be broken by the one who is found worthy? Worthy not just to be praised, worthy not to just have glory, but worthy to redeem whose blood was able to overcome our sin, our brokenness, the fractured nature of the universe. The earth was never intended to host death and death touched down in the earth when we sinned and when we rebelled. Jesus' chief game plan has never simply been to be just a bride, just you and me. He will marry us, but he will renew the earth. I said, he will marry us, but he will renew the earth. See, this is good news, friends because there is one found worthy. And so this mighty angel, this mighty angel that John is just seeing and he just can't believe it. He's like, look how big he is. Look how crazy and mighty and powerful he is. And he is here screaming. Why do you think John gets terrified? Because he sees what is the most mighty thing around him in this moment, shrieking and crying out, going, who is worthy? Who can take the seal? Who can break them? Who can open the scroll and enact God's redemption plan of the entirety of the earth? Who can set this right again? Who can make it holy again? Who can restore to God a place for him to rest? So John begins to weep, it says. John begins to weep because no one, hear me today, no one, no, not no one in the heavens, on the earth, or below the earth again, putting Satan and his cronies in their place, surely there is none on the earth, above the earth, or under the earth that can open this scroll, that can have the kind of power that our God, our Jesus, our Holy Spirit has. And this should give some gravity to the Christian. This should give some power to the Christian. This should give you some confidence in the power of God today, knowing that there is none in the earth, above the earth, or below the earth that is more powerful than your Jesus. You are in his hand. You cannot be ripped from his grip. And though the enemy may come and lie to you and tell you to jump from his hand, leap out of him, go and deconstruct your faith and leave it all behind. I am telling you, there is one found worthy who can correct it all and you need to remain faithful to him. There's one, one. And so John, he's crying out. And all of a sudden, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. This elder breaks from worship, breaks from worship. And he goes, weep no more. For the lamb, for the lion of the tribe of Judah, for the root of David, he has conquered. I said, he has conquered. I said, he has conquered. I said, he has conquered. Do I have anybody who believes the word of God this morning? I said, he has conquered. Praise him. Get this in your bones. Get this in your bones. Every heart movement, get this in your bones. You will be unstoppable out there. There's not a single thing in our nation that can conquer you when you belong to the conqueror. Hear me today, friends. Old and young alike. I love this. He goes, weep no more. I believe this is prophetic for our community. I believe the way the enemy has brought spiritual warfare to our body in recent weeks, I believe the word of the Lord for you and I this morning, weep no more. 
weep no more. Weep no more because you have a lion of the tribe of Judah who is the root of David and he has conquered. Not he has yet to conquer, yet he is currently conquering. Not just he will conquer, he's about to conquer or he's kind of finishing up conquering, kind of taking his time conquering. No, he has emphatically end game conquered. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. So that means, that means, that means, that means, friends, you have a conqueror. And that means what is attempting to conquer you, Jesus can conquer. That means what's attempting to overcome you, Jesus has already overcome. That means what's trying to rob from you, Jesus is already trying to reward you in. I am telling you this morning, the devil has told us his plans. We know what his heart is for the church. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus has conquered. I said, but Jesus has conquered. I said, but Jesus has conquered. It's who he is. The only thing God has ever done is conquered. He has never lost. No, not once. He conquers. So that sickness that keeps bubbling up in your life, that disease that keeps knocking at your door, that pain, that hurt, that brokenness that keeps coming for your family. Friends, I am telling you today, Weep no more. He has conquered. I appreciate anybody this morning. That suicidal thoughts that keep coming in late at night. He has conquered. Weep no more. Those affairs that you regret so deeply in your life when you stepped out on your husband or you stepped out on your wife. I am telling you, obviously come and repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. But weep no more because he has conquered. Your redemption is found on a throne and that throne doesn't move and that throne doesn't share a spot with shame. I said his throne doesn't have a spot for shame. I am telling you, we will have remorse for the sins we've committed, absolutely. And that remorse should move us to repentance. But I am telling you, after remorse, after repentance, let there be a revival. Let there be a resuscitation. Let there be a redemption siren ring out in the earth again. He has conquered. He has conquered. Friends, I am telling you, the things that attempt to conquer in you, Jesus is more than able to conquer the things that have overcome you, he is more than able to overcome. The things that move you, he is unable to be moved by. I think, I think what lies ahead of us is the song that we're gonna sing. Are we gonna sing the song of an inconquerable, unmovable, unable to overcome kind of God? There's no death, no sickness, no lights, no darkness, no principalities and high places that are able to overcome or wage war against our God. Are we going to sing the song of fire to him? Or are we going to continue to bring him lesser offerings and lesser sacrifices? Are we going to continue to partake in lesser songs? I am telling you, there are choruses, friends, that we have sung a hundred times. It might move us, but it hasn't moved God in a long time. It might bring us to tears, but it hasn't moved him one iota because it wasn't birthed, it wasn't forged in his heart. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. It's high tide, we quit singing about us and we start singing about him. We stop singing about us and we start singing to him. We stop singing about us and we start singing for him. 
There is a song of fire. Well, Pastor Matt, why are you going on about this song? Because in the middle of this, in the middle of this moment, all of a sudden, a lamb appears. I said a lamb appears. A lamb appears. Yeah, there we go. A lamb appears. Yeah. No, you got to do it. You don't understand? Okay, anyways, moving on. The lamb appears. Thank you. I got a pity, yeah. That was good. Got a pity, yeah. Pity, yeah. Um, that'll be my rapper name, pity, yeah. So, what do you do? I got a b-boy haircut, trying to be ugly. What do you do? I don't know. So, I had to acknowledge it at some point. And now was a good point to catch my breath and let you laugh for a second. My goal every service is to just grip you like an alligator, take you around to the deep end and make you scream out for air from the Holy Spirit. That is my hope every time I preach is that we would just grasp for him. Speaking of grasping for him, the elder turns to John. He says, weep no more. I believe that is a prophetic word for you and I today. Weep no more for he has conquered. And in this moment, John's tears, they are silenced. John's wails, they are quieted. In this moment, John sees, enters scene, the lamb that was slain. And the interesting part is it's not just the lamb that was slain. It's not just a lamb that was renewed. It's not just this, like all of a sudden, this pure, blameless, white, ravishing, just radiant lamb was brought before him. No, it says a lamb holding the appearance, having the appearance of being slain. Friends, even in Jesus' renewed, glorified, resurrected body, both James and Thomas, they saw that though he may be renewed and though he may be glorified and though he may be resurrected, he still holds the scars of the price that he paid for you and my penalty against him. And so John sees this lamb that has the appearance of being slain. And it says that every elder, the second he got up, the second he came in, every elder began to bow. And in this moment, the lamb that had the appearance of being slain, it says that he took the scroll from the one who was seated on the throne. And this lamb is able, this lamb is able, this lamb is worthy, this lamb can, will, and most certainly has broken the seals. He has the key to everything. And he is the one found worthy. And suddenly, in his sight, the elders, the 24 elders around the throne and the four living creatures, which I think is an interesting description, living creatures. Do I know what that means? Absolutely not, but it sounds awesome. But the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they bow, they bow to him. And they begin to worship. But the interesting thing the interesting thing that the elders begin to do in this moment is it says in one hand they bow before him in one hand they begin to worship and they have a harp and in the other hand they have a bowl which is an incense of prayers of the saints you see elders when they respond correctly and rightly and perfectly before the king what do they bring him harp for worship and bowl for prayer Harp for worship and bowl for prayer. Harp for worship and bowl for prayer. Friends, I came to tell you this morning, do you know the one activity that you and I have done today that is not actually needed and nor does it partake in heaven? This moment right here. Preaching. There is no need for preaching in the kingdom of heaven. 
There's no need for preaching around the throne. There is no need to be building up and edifying the saints because they have run their race well. They have been welcomed in and they are now bold, built up, complete, lacking nothing in the name of Jesus and in the presence of Jesus. The one activity you and I are engaging in today that we will no longer need to engage in in heaven is preaching. So I got to ask you a question. If that's true, then how essential is our harp and our bowl? How essential this side of heaven, if the only activity in heaven, the only ministry happening in heaven is worship and prayer, how much more important this side of eternity is our harp and our bowl, our worship and our prayer? How much? How much more importantly, you see, one of the things I think is interesting is that so many of us, when we approach God, when he walks in this room, when his presence comes and dwells among us, I'm not sure that if I could read everyone's mind in this room, mine included, mind you, that when I picture Jesus walking in this room, when I sense his presence, when I just get humbled in his sight, I cannot tell you for certain that much like yourself and much like mine, that when I bow before him, what I bring him in one hand is worship and what I bring him in the other hand is prayer. In fact, I would wager with you this morning, can pastor place a bet? I, <laughs> DraftKings this morning, I bet. I don't gamble, I don't have a secret sin, we're, we're good guys. Somebody's like, we gotta pray for him. I would wager this morning that for most of us, when we bow before him, our hands don't come with worship and our hands don't come with prayer. Instead, what we often are found is worries and troubles and pain and hate and hurt and sin and sexual immorality and racism and all of these things that are just plaguing the human nature at this point in time. We come with our opinions on worship. We come with our opinions on preaching. We come with our thoughts on the church. We come with all of these things, how we think Jesus should be. But I'm telling you, in heaven, the right and good and perfect response to when the king of glory enters the room and takes a scroll is harp and bowl, worship and prayer. So I wonder today, can you just take an evaluation? What is it that you bring to him in worship? What is it that you bring to him in worship? How essential is the harp and the bull this side of eternity. Jesus' whole plan, he said, when he taught the disciples how to pray, he said, on earth as it is, on earth as it is, in heaven. That means his plan is for heaven to invade earth via a burning bride. And the burning bride isn't supposed to be found with opinions in one hand and hate in the other. It isn't meant to be found, friends. I'm telling you, the good and perfect and right response for a burning people, a burning body, and a burning bride is harp and bull, worship and prayer in our hands. Friends, this is the number one symptom that is plaguing the church in this hour is that we are coming to Jesus not locked, stocked with two smoking barrels of a harp and a bull, but we're coming to Jesus with thoughts, ideals, opinions, and notions, desires, passions, 
that are less than him. That are less than him. And yet in heaven, where it's perfect, where the elders are built up, not fighting sin, not waging war against disease, not praying for prodigals, not heartbroken by the turn of events in the world, but in heaven where it's perfected and they've been perfected and they are worshiping. They don't approach the throne of glory with anything other than a harp and a bowl. Worship and prayer. What do you approach the throne with? Because it says when the elders bowed down and they began to worship him with harp and bowl, worship and prayer, it says a new song was birthed. Wait, 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 wait. So in heaven, where they are worshiping in perpetuity, perfectly, forever, where they were singing before, glory, 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 hallelujah is the lamb. All of these things, worthy to receive glory, power, and honor forever, we saw in Revelation 4, suddenly, out of a good, right, perfect, and correct response to the Lamb of God, a new song was birthed. What would happen in the earth if this church decided that we were gonna worship him rightly, worship him correctly, and worship him perfectly with harp and bowl? What new song would be birthed in our region? What new song would be birthed in your marriage? What new song would be birthed in your kids? What new song would be birthed in your immorality? What new song would be birthed in your temptations? What new song would be birthed in your weakest, lowest, unseen moments that you would never highlight on Instagram? What new song would you begin to sing if you worshiped him with harp and bowl perfectly, correctly, and rightly in his sights? What new song? This is the biggest cause in the earth right now. You see, friends, I'm telling you, you know what I think has stopped us and prevented us and kept us from worshiping him perfectly? And worship team, I'll invite you up in like 15 minutes from now, you're fine. Just kidding. What's, in, what's prevented us? Someone's like, really? Yeah, we're going forever. What's prevented us from worshiping him rightly and correctly and perfectly? It's a simple, sad truth. We've gotten bored with Jesus. You're bored of Jesus. I'm bored of Jesus. The church has been bored with Jesus. The bride has lost her zeal, her, lo her love, her passion for her bridegroom. We've gotten bored with Jesus. You wanna know how I know? LED screens. You wanna know how I know? Smoke machines. You wanna know how I know? Everybody's got a ministry but God. You wanna know how I know? We've got a sermon series on everything but the Holy Spirit. You want to know how I know? More people can sing and recite the latest worship song than they can recite any Bible verse or at least recite it in context. Friends, we've gotten bored with Jesus. Suddenly along the way, we decided we, we were no longer infatuated and intoxicated with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We have gotten sober to Jesus. He says, if you're going to get drunk, get drunk in the spirit. Amen. Instead, we've gotten bored with Jesus and we have allowed everything else into the church to kind of liven things up a bit. No, 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 we need this to spice things up. No, no, we need this to, to resuscitate this church. This church needs to grow. This church needs to blow up. This church needs to come alive again. We've gotten bored with Jesus. 
And yet the elders who sing a new song, who perfectly, rightly, and correctly worship him, they bring him a harp and a bowl in perpetuity, perfectly forever. And they have never, not once, not never, never going to happen here, now, or ever gotten bored with Jesus. Yeah, we have. Because we started adding to Jesus. We started adding to Jesus. In fact, I'm gonna say something that's probably gonna ruffle some feathers and I don't give a rip because I love Jesus more than I love you and I want you to love Jesus more than you love me, amen? Amen. I saw the stupidest sweater the other day. It said Jesus and therapy. (sighs) Yeah, yeah. You wanna know why I'm upset about this? Because there's no such thing as Jesus and. His, his title is not and anything, it's Christ. Well, Matt, isn't therapy good? Yeah, I affirm therapy. I think it's great. But I think you'd solve a thousand lesser problems if you just got infatuated and intoxicated again with Jesus. Yeah. Well, Matt, I just need to get, just get this out of me. No, I'm all for it. James 5, 16, confess your sins to your brother so that healing may come and anoint their head and pray for God to heal them. I'm for it. I am for therapy. I'm just not for Jesus and anything. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. You see, I am telling you, we have gotten bored with Jesus. And the reason I know is we have begun to add to him. And when you begin to add Jesus, you subtract from the anointing of Christ in your life. I'm telling you, when you add to him, you subtract the Spirit's movement in your life. You will subtract, you will restrict, and you will suffocate. And you will grieve the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Jesus is perfect. He is right and he is holy just as he is, not how you and I wish him to be. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You see, you want to know how I know we got bored? You want to know how I know we got bored? We're offended at what I just said. But if we looked at him rightly and we saw the beauty of God, If we saw the beauty of God, we would be captivated. We'd never want to leave his presence. We would be fighting for more services, volunteering for more time, getting more worship leaders here, bringing a bloody drummer for the first time in five years besides Josh. We would be going after the things of God because we have never got bored of him. Instead, what we've done is some of us are more faithful followers of pastors with fame than we are the lamb that was slain. Some of us are more faithful followers of pastors with fame than we are the lamb that was slain. You wanna know how I know? Because some of us, we have got notifications turned on our phone for any time a celebrity pastor posts to their stories, their IG, their TikTok, or whatever, and it says so-and-so just posted to their stories while directly below it is your Dwell app or your version app or your Bible app, whatever it is, saying Bible verse today, continue your devotionals, get back in the Word, hey, it's been seven days, and you swipe right to open the celebrity pastor because you would rather nurse off the good thoughts of somebody else instead of going to the throne room and receiving revelation for yourself. We've gotten bored with Jesus. Some of us, we want to live off Kenneth Copeland for the rest of our lives. We want to live off Brian Houston for the rest of our lives. We want Christine Kane's thoughts on this. We want Jackie Hill Perry's thoughts on this. We want Bill Johnson's thoughts on this. Judah Smith's thoughts on this. Mike Todd's thoughts on this. And listen, friends, Bill Johnson is my probably most singular living on the earth, greatest hero in the world. The other ones I won't comment on publicly. 
However, however, it's not to Bill Johnson's glory that I preach. It's not to Bill Johnson's glory that I live. It's not to Bill Johnson's glory that we get up and we go into all the world and we preach the gospel. That we heal the sick and we cast out demons and we bring the lost home. It's not. And yet, some of us are far greater followers of preachers with fame than we are the lamb that was slain. Worship team, you can make your way up here as we get ready to land this bird. You see, friends, it says a new song was birthed. This song of fire was birthed in the heavens. A new song, a new song. And I'm grieved and I'm troubled in this hour that we've not been singing God's old songs. We've been singing our own songs and we forfeit a new song that would see revelation strike this region where revival would come, awakening would happen and we would see a bride on fire yet again. See, Michigan, we've never had a revival. We haven't. God's not opened the heavens over us in that way. In fact, the great George Whitfield, you've heard me say it a million times, <laughs> in the original 13 colonies, he went to Ohio and he went to Michigan and he is recorded as saying, it's like God never even touched that place when he made it. It's that dry. There's no oil. You see, we think it's just the reformed religiosity above us, the principalities of religion above us. We think it's the, we think it's the, the, the Dutch reformed Amish, just whatever it is, culture around us. No, 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 no. It's that there are principalities that reside above our region that we thought we could just work against instead of pray down. I'm telling you, there is a new song that will pierce the veil above us, that will puncture the principalities and run them and bleed them out. And that, that's graphic, I know. But the hour is late the day has gotten dark and we don't have time to continue on as church is normal. Give me three songs at the perfect tempo. The first one's upbeat, praise me in. The second one brings me a little bit low and then the third one is kind of mid to like settle us in for the message. Sound familiar? I just described every other church service you've ever been to. Give me a pastor who preaches 25 minutes and 47 seconds flat. Who only comes out of the NIV because it's palpable and I can take it down. A church that leaves discipleship for Tuesday night life groups instead of Sunday morning family dinner where we actually bust open the word of God and we find out what this new song is. I'm telling you, friends, there is a song of fire the Lord would love to hear from you. Can I tell you that this morning? Above all the religion, above all the acts, above all the services, above all the great churches, above all the fame, all the clout, all the TikTokers, there is a song of fire 
that the Lord would love to hear from you, but he will never hear it if pastors don't preach it and if churches don't respond to it. But he loved it when the elders began to sing. You see, we've, we've played songs for him with a lot of different instruments. And we've brought him a lot of other incense without the incense of prayer. And we've offered up to him a lot of other things. But there is one song that moves the lion of the tribe of Judah. There is one song that moves the root of David. There is one song that the throne of God loves to hear echoed in eternity and desires to hear sung loudly and proudly in the earth. See, we live in a time and place. Would you stand? We're going to sing this last song. and We live in a time and place where pastors that I know, that I'm friends with, that I love deeply. We live in a time and place where they are using chat GPT or whatever the stupid AI's name is. And they're using this man-made intelligence software to write their messages for them. We live in a day and age where pastors are consulting man-made artificial intelligence before they are consulting the written, canonized, infallible Word of God. And we wonder why our churches exist off TikTok theologians. It's because we have pastors who aren't even consulting the Word of God anymore. The shift came quick and it came fast and my heart has been broken. I say all of this to say that there is one place your song of fire comes from. There is one position there is one stance, there is one stature, there is one posture, there is one life, and there is one altar that you and I, we are called to live from, thrive in, die on, and be resurrected in yet again. There's one. And it's the one set apart by Jesus, with Jesus, and for Jesus. It's in his word. It's by his spirit. There is a song of fire that the Lord would love, love to hear from your lips. But you'll get none of the credit for writing it. You'll get none of the attention for posting it. It will profit you no fame at all. No clicks, no taps, no plays. Just the attention, affection, and allegiance of heaven. And I'm telling you, that song is worthy to be sung over every other song could ever be written. Amen. So as we go into the song, I want to read to you. I want to read to you this new song this new song that was birthed in the earth and in the heavens above 
that when we approach him rightly, we respond to him correctly, and we worship him perfectly, we join in with all of heaven singing. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, from every language, from every people and every nation. You have made them God, a kingdom and a priest to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing to Him. Somebody say to Him. Who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And in this moment, church, I will invite you as we begin to sing this song. I'm going to pray us out. And right now we're going to sing this song. I invite you to the altar. Come find your song of fire. Come hear the words of the elders. Come respond rightly, correctly, perfectly before him. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Right now at this altar, there is space for you to leave every other lover, every other affection, every other idol that you've approached him with in your hands before. And here at the altar is available to you a harp for worship and a bowl for prayer. A worship that writes a new song and a fragrance from your life that is a pleasing aroma to our God, to our King, to our Lamb. So I invite you, don't wait for me, just come to the altar. Father God, right now I ask, I ask God that we would be a people who wet the altar with tears right now. That we would wet the altar with tears right now. Let us look at you, God. Let us look at you. Let us see you rightly, oh King. We came to church today. We came to church today not for a religious ceremony, God. No, we came to fix our eyes upon Jesus. We come to see you rightly. Holy Spirit, right now, I ask for heart surgery to take place, God. That you would remove, God, whether gently if it calls for it or harshly if needed, God. You would strike us right now, Lord, with a conviction to relent that which is in our hands that we approach you with so often, God. And you would lovingly, mightily, powerfully, God, place in our hands a harp for worship. Place in our hands a bowl for prayer. God, that we wouldn't just be people who are waiting for the next soundbite of a preacher, but we would be tuned into the song of fire happening in the heavens. God, let our song match the elders. Let our song match the elders. Father, some of us, we're going to lay down relationships that we hold in one hand when we approach you. Father, place worship in its place. Some of us, God, we're going to lay down pills and porn and alcohol and bottles that help us nurse the night terrors. God, would you take those from us and place in our other hand a bowl for prayer, for incense, for fragrance that is pleasing in your sight, oh God. 
We long to look upon the face of Jesus and sing the song of heaven. Sing the song of the elders. Sing a new song, God. So right now, Lord, I command ears that have been shut to the revelation of Jesus to open. I command eyes that have been closed to the revelation of Jesus to open. I come against every fallen lesser appetite that we've gotten full on in this last hour, God. I come against it and I call the church to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yet again, spirit of revelation, come. Jesus, let us look at you and Holy Spirit, come. Have your way in this place because you are worthy of it all. Let us worship forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Church, let us worship.